Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. So cool hearing stories like that. Thank you, Natalia, for sharing your story. It's, uh, it's pretty encouraging and inspiring to see that she's now in the school, the high school that she went to, impacting people, right? I wonder if there's anyone who remembers her from when she was in high school. And uh, it got me thinking, I wonder what people would think if I went back to my high school and they remembered me, right? Like, what are people going to be thinking? Probably a whole lot of what happened to you, you know? But um, hey, uh, thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for coming to hang out. It's so cool to see you all. If we haven't met, my name is Stephen, and I'm the youth pastor here with my wife, Ash. And uh, I, um, thanks, yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it too. Um, but uh, I'm excited to be sharing tonight because we're talking about a conversation called What Happens Now? And it's following our previous series where we talked about what happened after the resurrection of Jesus. You know, what, what happened with the early church and how was that created? And what life looked like for them? And we kind of came to the conclusion that the early church was known for their love and their generosity towards others. You know, we, we talked about how Jesus told us that we need to love others as He has loved us. And practically speaking, that looks like being generous, radical generosity. And now we ask the question, what happens now? Why should we care about any of that? You know, how does that impact my life now? What should things look like for me today? And in the lead up to our Vision Sunday, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, I wanted to start by asking the question, and feel free to participate here with me uh, to make me feel better about myself, but has anyone here ever been stressed out because of money or because of that word generosity? Anyone? Okay, all the hands slowly coming up. It's awesome. Well, have you ever kind of like looked at your, your phone and looked at your bank account and thought to yourself, oh my gosh, someone's robbed me. All my money's gone. And then scroll down. Nope, just spent it all. 17 bills in one week, you know? Have you, or maybe you're here and you, that thought of generosity or you see people being generous and you're like, how is that possible? I am barely scraping by. Wherever you fit on that scale, we're going to talk about this topic tonight. And uh, like I said, I've been married uh, for a year and a half now to my wife, Ash, and we, uh, we love being married. Well, I love being married. I don't know how she feels about it, but I, uh, I love being married. And uh, because it's hilarious for us, okay, we, uh, we just do the dumbest things and we argue about the dumbest things, okay? A lot of our arguments uh, are not really serious. They're kind of silly and most of them are always my fault, um, which I've been trained to say. But we... Um, <laughs> We love a good Netflix binge, we do. We, uh, we love getting home and watching uh, a bunch of shows on Netflix. And the other week, we got home from a, a long day at work together, and we were just so tired. So we, we sat on the couch, we chucked on the TV. And you know when you're, like, really tired, and you just have no filter whatsoever? Well, Ashley turned to me, and she asked me a question that no man has ever figured out the answer to. See, there was a girl on the show that we were watching, Okay, and she turned to me and she, she said four words that you never want to hear your wife ask you. She said, she looks pretty, doesn't she? She's, yeah, that's five words. <laughs> Math. She's pretty, isn't she? Four or five, whatever. And see, in reality, that's what she said. But what I heard was, I fancy a fight. <laughs> because there's... 
There is no right answer to that question, right? You say, no, liar. You say, yes, why don't you go marry her then? Now, of course, I'm, I'm exaggerating, okay? My wife does not say those things. But my, uh, my genius brain thought, I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to play it safe, and I'm going to go with the safe answer. So I said, no comment. <laughs> I'm not getting into this. End of discussion. You're welcome. And w- apparently, that wasn't a satisfactory answer, right? So we started talking about this more. And I decided then, my next thought was presents. I need to go buy her something, okay? So I went down to McDonald's, and I bought her some chicken nuggets, and everything was better, because I thought... For this to become better, I need to spend money on something that she loves more than anything in the world, which is not me, it's chicken nuggets. <laughs> that same week, later on that same week, we were, uh, we were out and uh, she asked me to buy her a cheeseburger, which were $2 at the time, $2 cheeseburger, to which I said to her, no. I said, I've already spent way too much money today, so no, we can't get a cheeseburger. A $2 cheeseburger I said no to to save money because I'd spent enough that day. She is generous enough to wake up next to this mess every single day and I wouldn't buy her a $2 cheeseburger. It's pitiful. Somebody please pray for her. She's married to a potato. But for me, for me, finances and money, they, they always fall into one or two of these categories. They always fall into the something I feel like I have to use or something I don't want to use. And really, when you think about it, isn't it true that finances play such a huge role in our lives? And often that role is kind of stressful. Often that role is kind of worrying. It brings anxiety and it leads us to feeling like we need more and more of it and we can give less and less of it. And then Jesus comes along and says, I want you to love others as I have loved you. He's taught us that we should place a higher value on people rather than just things. And no matter how you see it, no matter what angle you look at it from, as people who follow Jesus, we need to be known for our generosity, don't we? We need to be known for that. So is it possible? And here's, here's what I want to explain, here's what I want to explore with us tonight about this topic called generosity. The thing is, we all think we are. Some of us actually are. And if we all were to be, it would change everything. So is it really possible to be generous? When the bills are piling up, when things are going wrong, when you've got so many university classes in a week, you can barely get two shifts at work, when your car is breaking down, when you've worn the same two, pair, two, two pairs, two shoes for two years, math, when things are falling apart, when you feel like you've given all you can, is it really possible to be generous? And what does that look like? And don't get me wrong, right from the beginning, I know we all give. We all do. You know, we all give when there's a cause and when we feel like we can. We all help someone or help a friend when we're in the position to. Some of us even come to church each week and give because it's something, you know, we're supposed to do. But I wonder tonight, is generosity more than just random acts of giving or giving out of obligation? Is it more than that? And if you're new here tonight, so cool that you're here. If you're, you know, still on that journey or you're sussing this whole faith thing out, it's awesome that you're here. But I probably know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, okay, classic churches talking about money. Here we go again. Somebody call the news. Okay, like you're probably, that's what I would be thinking anyway, you know. 
But before you, before you dismiss anything, the reason why it's important to talk about this stuff, right? The reason why we, we have series around this, the reason, why, the reason why we place value on this is because our finances and our money is one of the biggest aspects of our lives, right? It changes things. People become obsessed with it. People become corrupt because of it. It impacts almost every part of our life. Want to go on a date night? Let's check how much money we have. Should we get a puppy? We'll see how much we can afford. Can we go on that holiday? We'll see how much we've saved. Can we do this? Can we do that? Let's check the bank account. It affects almost everything. It affects almost every part of our life. And see, the thing is, God, we know this, right? God wants us to have a good life. So he has a few things to say about it. And I'm sure glad he does because generosity, like I said, changes things. It's a defining quality. I mean, I dare you, please find me someone who, isn't, who is ridiculously generous, who isn't also ridiculously happy. Find me someone who isn't ridiculously sold out for other people, who isn't, who's, isn't also ridiculously fulfilled. <laughs> you don't see him walking around very often because it changes things. And this is what I want to explore tonight. Is it really possible? And I want to kind of, I want to go through a scripture, something that's written in the Bible, because I believe it explains this whole theme of generosity so perfectly. It explains it perfectly. And if you didn't know, it was written by a guy, a guy named Paul. And uh, if you don't know Paul, Paul was, uh, he was known for his hatred towards Christians and towards Jesus, right? He was known for that. And then he experienced Jesus. It changed his life. And then he became one of his biggest advocates. It was a pretty similar story to probably a lot of people in this room right now. And he was writing, he was writing this thing, this, these few sentences to a church in a city called Corinth. Now, this church was pretty messed up. If you do your homework, pretty messed up. They were, getting, they were getting drunk in church and fighting each other. They were sleeping around left, right, and center. They were, they were cussing each other out. It was, it was not a fun time. I mean, compared to Suncoast, we're not doing too bad, right? And then Paul goes and compares them to another church in another area. Compares them because the other church is doing a whole lot better. Don't you hate it when people compare you to other people? Don't you hate that? I, um, I get compared to my, my younger brother all the time, and I hate it. He, uh, he's a year younger. He's, um, I guess he kind of looks like me, not as good looking, but he's similar. And um, I, um, like I said, I, you know, I'm a youth pastor. I work here at Suncoast, have for the last couple of years. And uh, last year, I recently graduated from university, got a degree, and uh, I decided to call my mum to tell her the good news. The paperwork had gone through it, wanted to go tell my mum. So I called her, I said, mum, guess what? Paperwork's gone through. I, uh, I graduated, officially graduated with a bachelor in clinical exercise science. How cool is that? That's amazing, Stephen. That is so cool. Oh my gosh, we are so proud of you. Wow. Now you can get a real job like your brother. Oh, hold on. Yeah, he just got a job selling vacuum cleaners. Okay, it's not really the same thing, but okay. No, they're both the same. Both my boys are doing amazing things. Well, yeah, I have a real job. Oh, at the church? That doesn't count. That's just a hobby. It's my life. <laughs> yeah, I need a hug. But you see, comparison isn't always bad. Paul was writing to this church in Corinth, and he compared them to a church in Macedonia, which is another place, who was in a much worse situation. They were going through tough times, severe trials, but they were handling it a whole lot better. It says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their 
extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. See, there is, there is a lot in there. There is so much in that that is both extremely challenging and extremely encouraging at the same time. Like, I read something like that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what excuse can I possibly have? Like, what, what leg do I have to stand on? Like, uh, sure, I got problems. Life is tough, but it's not that tough. That's extreme poverty, ex- severe trials. I mean, what excuse do I really have? But at the same time, I look at that and I go, wow, generosity really is possible in any season of life. It's challenging and it's encouraging at the same time. But I think this sums up perfectly what it means to be generous and what that looks like. And ultimately, I think it tells us that generosity begins with a posture. It begins with a posture. It said, and the last thing he said was, firstly, they gave themselves to the Lord. Firstly, there was God. Firstly, there was a purpose. Firstly, there was a cause. Before they could do anything, before they served, before they gave, before they could see anything happen externally, they allowed God to do something internally. It began with a posture. I don't know about you, but before, um, before I started following Jesus, I was not exactly known for my generosity and love for others. I was probably the opposite, actually. And, uh, you know, when I was, uh, when I was younger, probably like most of us, I, uh, I got pocket money, and uh, I, uh, I became obsessed with this whole idea of getting pocket money. So much so, I mean, it worked. I did chores all the time, right? But I, I, I started negotiating with my parents on how much they were going to give me. You know, my dad would come up to me, and he would say, uh, Stephen, I want, you to, I want you to sweep the floor, and then mop the floor, and give you $10. And I would say, I'll do it for 20 or I won't do it at all. To which he would say, you'll do it broke and crying in a moment. Go get a mop, you <laughs> know? I was, man, I was pretty awful sometimes. But you see, Jesus has impacted my life so much. Jesus has impacted my life. He's changed my life. He's given me purpose. He's given me hope. He's given me this brand new life. He's impacted me from the inside out. So much so that I've come to the conclusion, how could I possibly keep that to myself? You know, I was like that. Now I'm a little bit better. <laughs> but things have changed. I've been given a new life. God has done something so extraordinary, so extravagant in my life. I can just give from an overflow of that. It starts with a posture. And ultimately, what I think this shows us is that generosity is a quality, not a quantity. A quality, not a quantity. AKA, don't just be a doer, be a beer, a beer. Don't, don't just be a doer, be a beer. Some sophisticated stuff. Someone write that down. You need it. Um, Generosity is a quality, not a quantity. Let me throw something out there to you tonight. Doing generous things is different than being generous. Doing generous things is different than being generous. I mean, think about it for a second. (laughs) They sound almost exactly the same, but really they're almost quite the opposite. Because how often have we fell into the trap of just trying to do generous things? Because we feel like we have to. We feel like it's a part of our job. We try to do that. We try to do that. We, we have to do this. We have to do that. And so often it leaves us weighed down. It leaves us wondering why we can't do as much as we want to do. It leaves us needing more, wanting more. And it leaves us 
falling short in this area. I mean, you don't even have to follow Jesus. I mean, even if you don't, how often does our willingness to give often come from a place of pity or guilt or obligation? You know, we see a sad picture on the internet or we get stopped by someone at the shops who's selling something or asking for a charity. It happens to us all the time. Or even when we do give, right? Even when we do give, I mean, come on, let's be real for a second. We kind of expect something in return, right? Like, even when you do give, you're kind of like, you know, you know, I want something back. Like, like, have you ever given someone, something to someone and then, have, and then they didn't say thank you? Like, have you ever, has that ever happened to you? And then, like, I don't know about you, did anyone else internally scream and like, ah, give it back? You know, like, you, you get it when you've earned it. Or, you know, have you ever been driving? And then you see that car flying up beside you. And as they get beside you, they put their indicator on. And you have one or two. You, you can make one of two options. You can do the nice thing. And you can let them in and bless them. Be a, be a good Christian, you know? Or you can just pretend like they don't exist and just keep going, right? But then you decide. You decide to do the nice thing. You're like, okay, I'm going to help you out here. You slow down. Give them a little wave. Like, I got you. Then they come in. And then for the, the next 60 seconds, your eyes are glued to their car because you are waiting for the little thank you wave. But does it ever come? No, it does not. It breaks you inside. But you see, when generosity, when generosity is a quantity, when we look at it from that angle of I have to do this, of doing things, it's a quantity, or, you know, I've got to do it out of obligation or I'll, I'll do it here or, or there or whenever I can, it leads us to the conclusion that generosity isn't really possible. I mean, sure, giving is. I'll give when I can. I'll give when I have to. Generosity? Maybe one day. I've even discovered early on in my life that when I'm doing generous things, it always depends entirely on my bank account. I do what I can when I can. But, and if we can get the scripture back up, but we see by the Macedonian church that they gave as much as they could. As much as they could as much as they were able, and beyond their ability. Beyond their ability. And what's even more crazy than that is, Paul didn't beg them. Paul didn't beg them to be generous. Paul didn't beg them to give to his cause. They begged Paul. They begged Paul to take their money and to let them be, they pleaded with him to let them be a part of this cause. That's crazy, right? How is that possible? How is that possible? It's possible Because generosity is more than just a quantity, it's a quality. It's possible because generosity is more than just random giving. It's not just a thing that we have to do, it's a quality. Generosity is a way of life. It's who we are. It's a state of mind. It's how we can live our lives. When you become generous rather than doing generous things, come on, you guys know this. How often do you stress less and less and and use less of your emotional effort worrying about the number you're typing in before you give because your heart is for the cause. Your heart is there and where your heart is, there your finances will follow. We we care about, we invest in what we care about, right? We do this. Well, okay, but you know, life happens, right? Things happen, circumstances change, things get overwhelming, 100%, 100%. But the thing I love about this, and come on, you guys already know this, the thing that's amazing about God is that when he does something in your heart, That doesn't come and go as the seasons of life do. When God does something truly amazing in your heart, that stays with you. It said in that scripture, extreme poverty. They were in extreme poverty and that turned into rich generosity, which shows us that having generosity as a quality rather than a quantity, having generosity 
being something that you are, not that something, not just something that you do, means that even when life is falling apart, even when things are going wrong, we can still be generous. It means that even if life is falling apart, we can still impact the lives of others because that's the amazing thing about Jesus, right? When He does something in your heart, when He gives you purpose, when He gives you hope, when He gives you joy, when He changes your life, that sticks. It's not determined by our seasons of life or by our circumstances. If anything, it determines our seasons in life and our circumstances. It changes the way we walk through them. We no longer have to be determined by what's going on in life. We can walk through them knowing, knowing that I have been so loved, so I can so love others. But it starts with allowing God to do something in your heart. It starts with something in you, not just what you do. It starts with acknowledging, I have been given much, therefore I can give much. It begins internally. It begins with a posture, which then we see is always followed with a plan, right? Generosity begins with a posture, and follows with a plan. It said, first God did something in their life, then they took action. They took action. I, um, I went to the gym once, and I, um, I, uh, it hurt. I, uh, I, I signed up, you know, they gave me the sales pitch. I was like, heck yeah, like, bodybuilder in six weeks, let's go. And then I, uh, I, you know, it, it was tough. It was the toughest 13 minutes of my life. I, um, I, was so in so much pain, I couldn't walk for a few days afterwards, right? First time I went to the gym. And the annoying part is I was with someone and I, uh, we were gym partners and uh, he, um, he was just so much stronger than me. He could lift twice as much as I lifted. He could run twice as far. And the annoying part is it, it's almost like it wasn't phasing him at all. Like he wasn't even breaking a sweat. I'm over in the corner gasping for air, you know, passing out. And he is like just pushing on through. Which, which made me hate him because, because I couldn't understand why he was that way and why I was this, right? So I asked him, I was like, what, what's the deal? How, why are you the way that you are? Why am I the way that I am? Is it protein shakes? No. Is it, is it like, a, like a, a quick fix that gives you big muscles? You know what I mean? And nope. He said, it's consistency. It's consistency. He said, you have to be consistent, which really resonated in my heart. I mean, not for exercise, but, you know, for other things. Because it, came, it hit me that, man, isn't, isn't being generous the same? Isn't being generous the same? I mean, when it's a quantity, when it's something that you do, you know, when it's something that you feel like you have to do, when it's something you need prompting to do, and it hurts. <laughs> you feel it. I've come to realize that thinking about going to the gym doesn't do anything for you. You have to go. <laughs> the same with generosity. When it becomes a quality, when it becomes who you are, when it becomes something that your life represents, we find that you can do it more and more, and it hurts just a little bit less and less each time you do it, because it starts with a posture, but then it needs to be followed with a plan. And why is that? Why is this true? Well, because that's how God designed it to be, right? Generosity is our faith put into action. It's our faith put into action. For God so loved the world that He gave. It didn't say, for God so loved the world that he thought, or that he hoped, or that he prayed for us. No, it said, he gave, took action. But you know, it's tough, right? I get it, it's tough. (laughs) Being generous is not easy. You know, there's always this tension of, you know, I want to be generous, but I got bills to pay. (laughs) You know, I want to be all in for this mission and put it at first, but I also have a life, and I also need, I have needs. You know, it's tough, because we all want to be generous, but life happens, things change, and that that priority list of ours, we once started off, I'm all in for this, slowly but surely, sinks down. 
right? It's just life. But here's why I think the first option is better. Here's why I think being all in is better. There was a recently, uh, a study done recently where ordinary average people, this is crazy, ordinary average people like me and like you were asked the question, what amount of money would you need to make for you to be happy and for you to want to give back? What amount of money would you need to make? They started with someone who earned $50,000 a year. I asked them the question, what amount of money would you need to make before you can give back, before you're happy? The person thought to themselves and, and said, $75,000. That's how much I would need to make. All right. So they asked someone who earned $75,000, what would you need to make for you to be happy, for you to give back? $100,000. All right. So they went to someone who earned $100,000, $250,000. Okay. So they went to someone who earned $250,000, $500,000. They went to someone who earned $500,000. That's a lot of money. And asked them, how much money would you need to make before you can be happy in life and before you're willing to give back? That person looked at them and said, $1 million. $1 million, which shows us, right, that is anything ever really enough? I mean, and we think to ourselves, oh my gosh, there's some selfish people in this world. <laughs> Come on, we, yeah, we do it too, right? We, I mean, we're, we sometimes do that as well. I'll be the first to put my hand up and say, hey, I have said, I'll admit, I have said, I'll give when, fill in the blank. I'll give when I finish uni. I'll give when I get a better job. I'll give when I earn more money. I'll give when I've saved a bit more. Or I can't afford it because. Or I, I give my time. That's, that's enough. I've said all these things. Hopefully I'm not the only one. But we do that because we want to be generous. But we're always finding that what we have is never enough. But here's what I love about the faith that we follow, about our God, is that we were never never meant to be people whose lives were determined by how much money we have in our bank account. We were never meant to be people whose lives revolved around what we had and what we did not have. We weren't meant to. And the funny thing is, this has been a principle that has been taught for thousands of years. Good news, not making this up on the spot. This is something that Jesus taught thousands of years ago. He said it in the book of Matthew. We're going to read it now. It says, do not worry Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? It says, do not worry. Don't worry about it. Worry about what? About what you eat and what you drink. In other words, what you need in life. Also, don't worry about the clothes you wear. In other words, what you want in life. Don't worry about these things. Why? Because life's about more than just worrying. Okay, then what are we supposed to do instead of worrying? Great question. He then goes on to answer that question a few sentences later. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He said, but seek first, instead of worrying, hey, you can worry all you want. It's not going to do anything for you. Instead of doing that, why don't you try seeking God first and his plan for your life, his mission for your life, and you'll find that instead of worrying, when you do that, all these things that you were worried about, you're going to get them anyway. You're going to get them anyway. And ain't that the truth? I've never met a generous person who spends their time worrying about the things that I worry about constantly because they've learned that and they've seen that. Our finances follow our heart. I've never found that to be more real in my life than in the season I'm in. And I feel like it's real in every season. Our finances follow our heart. So what does this look like practically? In the last couple of minutes, what, what does it look like to begin being generous with a posture have it followed by a plan. What happens now? Well, this is actually quite simple. I mean, it's actually something that probably most of you are already doing. Something that I'm, I fail at miserably, but it's something I'm really trying to do. And you guys would know this, in life, we often order our finances in this order. 
We spend our money on living first, saving second, and giving third. We, we, we first, we spend money on things we need. You know, we need food, we need water, we need fuel, we need to pay rent, we need, we need, we need you know, all these things. We, we, need, we need to pay these things. We need these things to live. And then it's followed by, if by some miracle there's any left over, we'll save a little bit. Holiday coming up. You know, we've got to save, got to, you know, in case something happens. And then when we're prompted to, or when we see one of those sad pictures, or when someone gives one of those killer giving messages at church, we give right? But you see, when generosity goes from quantity to quality, when it becomes who you are, when it becomes something that you are known for, that something that you represent in every area of your life, not something that you're doing, something that you're being, that list kind of gets flipped around a little bit. It changes. And we find ourselves in a position where we can give first, save second, and live off the rest. Give first, save second, and then live off the rest. We, we give first. We we put the mission first. We go all out for other people. We are sold out to see people come to know the love of Jesus. We go all in for that. That's our number one. Then we save. We're prepared for what life throws at us. And then it, we live off the rest. And I don't know about you, but when the order is the other way around, when it's live, save, give, I have plenty of stuff that I need to live off. I save a little bit. I very rarely have enough to give. But when it's flipped around and I give first, I find myself also saving a fair bit and also living off a fair bit. It's crazy how that happens. I always feel like when it's in that order, I have enough. Now, in a world that's constantly trying to tell us that we're not enough, that you don't have enough, that you need more stuff to be happy, that if you would just earn a little bit extra in your yearly amount, you can be happy. This isn't the most popular approach. But come on, don't we know Those of us who follow Jesus, don't we know that the cause that we're a part of, this mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, there is nothing greater than seeing someone's life impacted, right? There is nothing greater than seeing someone who's broken become whole. There's nothing greater than seeing a teenager who feels like they're worthless, feels like they have no value, come to know that they were worth dying for. There is nothing greater than the mission that we get to be a part of. I'll take the unpopular choice any day if it means I get to be a part of something as extraordinary like that. I ain't anything special. Count me in. That's what my life gets to be like. And it benefits me as well. (laughs) I save a lot more. I give a lot more. I live off a lot more. It's crazy. It's almost like God knows what he's doing. Now, I could tell you, uh, I could tell you story after story after story of, of people that I've seen impacted by this kind of generosity in just the small amount of time that I've been following Jesus. I tell you stories for days. It's amazing. But why don't you, for a second, think about your own life. Think about how your life was changed because of this kind of thing. I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of us aren't in here tonight because Jesus appeared in front of us and said, follow me. I'm real. It's probably because you were impacted by someone showing you who Jesus was through love and through generosity. I'd say nine times out of 10, right? Or you're here and you're new and you're kind of sussing this whole thing out because you were invited by someone who lives like that. And let me flip it on its head as well. Think about someone in your life, that family member, that friend whose life could be impacted because of this kind of generosity. The amazing thing about God is there is no limit to how much he will use us if we're willing. It's amazing. So the answer to the question, 
The answer to the question, is it possible to be generous? Is it possible to be generous even when things are falling apart, even when bills are piling up, even when life isn't going that great? Is it possible to be generous even when I'm saving for a house, even when I don't know what direction I'm going for, even if I don't have a job? Is it possible to be generous? I hope you know the answer by now. The answer is yes. Of course it's generous. Of course it's possible. Is it possible to be generous? Yes. Because we all give to something. We all give to something. We all go all in for something. But come on, as we know, there is nothing worth more. Nothing worth going all in for more. Nothing worth more than going all in for Jesus. There is no one who deserves our heart and our lives more than Jesus because he went all in for us. He went all in for us. And because of that, and only because of that, can we go all in for others. So if he has changed your life, if you're here because you've been impacted by Jesus, and what happens now is now is the time for us to impact the lives of others through radical, loving generosity. So here's how you're going to do that. Here's some practical things that you can do as soon as you get home. Ask yourself the question, what posture am I taking with generosity? Am I just doing generous things or am I becoming a generous person? person? What posture are you taking? And how can I plan for generosity by giving first, saving second, and living off the rest? Generosity begins with a posture and it follows with a plan. And come on, we, we know that this kind of generosity, this radical, amazing, life-changing generosity is what's going to show the world that we are for them, not against them. It's what's going to show the world that they were worth dying for, that they're not worthless, they're not They don't have no value. They were worth everything, this kind of generosity. So God, we thank you so much that you are here and that you care about every single one of our lives. God, you thank you that we don't just have to do things for you. We don't just have to do generous things. Because of you, we can become generous. We can be generous people. We thank you that you have not made this complicated. You have not made this thing hard. You have not made it out of our grasp. You simply said, love others as I have loved you. So help us to do that. Help us to have that posture. Help us to put a plan in place where we can be generous people so the world can know, so our friends can know, so our family can know, so people can know that they are loved through our generosity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.